Tom Miller here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Welcome Principles to the Principal's Office Podcast, podcast where yeah, we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet. And creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that can help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so and you so, can exceed uh, those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. Right, if you want to learn more large, about what we do, you, know, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Time to grow. Now we've got some microphone. Now, and now things are working. Sorry about Even though this everybody. event right. is held virtual, so, I'm Tom Miller, meaningful connections owner, in the, CEO, in the school leadership I'm really world, excited in the business world. This next, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for you to network with other like-minded leaders who share so, uh, your passion, however you're participating, learning your study guide. To really make some new connections, or just maybe build, you know, the ones that you have from the people you've met. So, so this event is being held virtually. October 8th, uh, it's going to be from 9 a.m. until a little after lunchtime, so um, and, and so that way you can grab your ticket right now. So this is our fourth week of our website, developleaders.com forward slash I realize this is the third time that I'm going to put the link here in the third time for you. And uh, early bird notes, ticket prices um, are and ending actually, very, uh, very soon. Marked so again, that so website like is leaders through, building leaders.com forward slash live inside of two. I answer the questions, I take the time Raleigh, to and you'll be able to get a ticket through, the book. through us and so um, to this leadership podcast event. You're going to have, I'm telling you, it's the leadership event of the year. And so part of what John talks about, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode last Bye-bye. week is that to uh, develop other leaders you yourself need to have your own leadership development plan you know you need to take the time uh, to grow yourself because remember you are the lid on your organization's overall success so if you're not taking the time to develop you it's going to be nearly impossible for you to develop other people you need to grow yourself, right? Grow yourself from the inside out so that you can be better uh, for those around you. So one of the things I love, you know, to do that John, you know, shares here is that, you know, um, I read through the book and I mark it up and then I go back through the book and I just uh, read what I marked, right? I read back through anything I marked or I highlighted it. And because that's, that's the, that's the bulk of the book for me, right? That's, you know, telling me where my focus was uh, when I read it. And if I go back and reread it a second time, I try to highlight or use a different, you know, color pen where I put dates next to things, you know, so I know. But when I, when I take those quotes, right, that's what I uh, file. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take a journal and I'll just write those things that I underline down. Um, and then I have, I, I've got an area that I keep all of my quotes and all of my thoughts. I've got a spreadsheet that just has tons and tons of, um, of uh, notes on them, uh, you know, quotes and notes. Uh, so, I, so I take that information um, and I use it, you know, for, you know, creation of my own content or, um, or you know, sharing with, you know, leaders, right? So, so every day I read, 
Every day I file, okay? So I file that information away. Every day I, um, I, I share, right? I teach what I'm learning. Uh, because when you teach what you're learning from a book, right? Um, it, it helps you become a better practitioner of that information. Uh, so don't just consume this content. You know, the reason why, you know, you have a study guide and there's questions in the book is that the, is that the author is trying to get you to go deeper than just be a, a, a consumer of the information. It's to be a producer. It's to be a multiplier of uh, the information. Um, so as I was going back through this book again, you know, this time, the third time, I was looking at the reflection questions in your study guide, and especially here uh, on page 37 of your study guide, as you're creating a personal growth plan for members of your team, you know, you also need to be answering them for you. You know, what does this leader want? Uh, do they have a way of getting what they want? You know, how will they be rewarded if successful, right? So you're, you're making sure that you're also living out this, um, this uh, uh, growth, right? This, uh, uh, creating this environment for growth. And so at the end of chapter six, John, John starts to talk about, I just wanted to recap what you know, we had shared last week, but John starts talking about these 12 actions for development of potential leaders. Um, so in your, you know, I've got it up on the screen chair if you're able to watch. But um, the first one I wanted to talk about uh, was this um, number four, keep the growth going, right? So the point of the journey is not arriving, it's learning and becoming, right? So the purpose of a goal, you know, the purpose of a goal is not to achieve the goal. The purpose of the goal of uh, setting a goal is to grow into the person who can achieve the goal. And so when, when John says here, you know, this four step and keep the growth going, this means that you, you can't just read a book and boom, I'm a leader now. Now you might be better, right? You might be in a better place. You might have higher awareness, but it doesn't mean that you've grown, right? So you're not, the goal is not to arrive at a destination. It's to continue this pattern of you know growth in your life in all aspects and then you know emphasize the process more than you do winning right so i was i was um taking time today to prepare for my own coaching session with my coach and mentor on on wednesday and one of the questions that they ask on our growth sheet and if you're you know part of our coaching program you've you've probably you know read this question like what have I done since the last time, right? What, 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 what have I done since the last time that we met? And I didn't think that I had done a lot, but I actually almost had two pages of uh, bullets of all the information that I know that I have started to implement uh, from our last uh, coaching sessions. And we have one per month. And so, you know, that's, a, that's an important part is that sometimes we forget where we came from and we have to remember that growth is ongoing. You know, we, I want to be better like tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not always very patient, but you have to remember that this, this journey you're on, you know, and it is a journey. It's a, it's an ultra marathon. It's not a sprint to being a, a better leader. Um, right. So you want to model the growth, encourage it and reward it with, with your team. And so the uh, second one, I wanted to take a look at this idea grid. 
And this was, you know, and this was interesting because I, it didn't really capture my, my attention the last time. Um, but if you, I marked it in the book here, let me make sure I'm on the right page. And welcome everybody who's joined since the, the start of the call. Um, oh gosh, I should have marked it better, right? But this, but this idea of, of um, giving them an opportunity, let's chapter seven, that's why, uh, you, know, you know, giving them an opportunity um, to, to see it in action, right? So as you're, you're developing leaders, the one thing that you want to do is you want to model it, right? We had talked about um, modeling and then, uh, you know, demonstrating uh, this work and then exposing them to more and more information um, and then also having some form of accountability. And when you don't have accountability in uh, the process, there's really, there's really no reason uh, for the person to, to get better. Right. And so, so as you're looking at this idea grid, it's, you know, it's important um, that, that you, that you, you know, expose people to the experience. Right. And then, and then, but most importantly, have this accountability piece on the end. And it reminded me of uh, our um, inner circle call today, where one of the schools, Piedmont Community Charter was, you know, uh, talking about, well, not only do we um, have ongoing professional development, right? The same, you know, professional developers over and over and over again every year. And there's a monthly piece to it, but there's also accountability as it's part of their walkthrough process. So as the principals are going into the, into the classrooms uh, to, to, you know, um, give feedback, right? Whether it's a formal observation or informal, or there's a, you know, just a 15 minute walkthrough, there's, there's accountability to it, right? So there's, there's some form of expectation and accountability isn't about catching people doing it wrong, right? It's that knowing that I can count on you, right? So they're counting on their teachers uh, to not only just take in this instruction and this uh, demonstration, right? They're exposing them to greater opportunities. They're showing them how to do it differently. There's a, there's a constant practice of it, but there's also, I'm counting on you to put it in place. And so, so there has to be some form of that of that accountability in your in your development of your own leaders and and so this is sometimes where we fall short right as we as we think through uh well i've shown them how to do it i've shown them how to do it yeah yeah you have shown them how to do it right but you you obviously haven't shown them uh the way that works for them right or you haven't shown them enough times you haven't modeled enough times or you haven't coached enough times because they're not doing it right that's that's the accountability part and, and so, so the accountability has to start with you as uh, the leader is making sure one, I'm choosing someone that I can count on and two, uh, that I'm having some sort of follow-up conversation around it. Uh, and that's where this next piece, this strive for excellence uh, comes in, right? So the strive for excellence piece, um, I, I, I have multiple underlines and this is in the second paragraph in the strive for excellence. Strive for Excellence on page 119. He says, when a leader's goal is acceptability rather than excellence, then even the best people in the organization will produce what is merely acceptable. The rest may not even uh, produce the minimum. When excellence is the standard, the best will hit their mark and the others will at least hit the board, right? So that's holding the image, right? That's holding the image of, of here, right? Not, not here. 
right? This might be where I am, but I'm, I'm constantly trying to, 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 to pull and influence individuals to that, to that higher level of, of, of excellence. But if I don't have an understanding of what excellence looks like, if I haven't communicated what excellence looks like, I can't hold you accountable for that. And that's, and that's just an important piece, right? To constantly remember. Um, and the last one, uh, let's see, what else I have here? Strive for excellence, oh, care enough, right? To care enough to confront, uh, which is also right here, this next section here. And so John just shares you, confront as soon as possible, separate the person from the wrong action, right? You separate the, the you know, being from uh, the action, um, only confront what the person is able to change, right? Um, right. So we're, you know, declaring noble intent uh, that they tried as hard as uh, they could, um, and and be specific, all right. Tell them exactly, right, what was the exact action or what was, you know, you know, the exact wrong that they did, um, uh, you know, to get there. Uh, and this avoids sarcasm. So so important. Uh, this is where Alan Malale's uh, talk. Um, if you if you come to live to lead, Alan Malawi was one of the speakers last year, and he he doesn't allow sarcasm or laughing in his organization with his teams. He said he said if we if we condone that type of behavior, no one will ever take a risk, no one will ever try, no one will ever bring an outside the box idea to our organization because you know they're afraid of what the um, you know what the criticism is going to be, right? The sarcasm or the joke made on their uh, behalf. Um, so I just really love that. And, and that's, that's, that's hard for me. It was harder for me. It's not as hard anymore, but it was, you know, I didn't know or understand it. I made that mistake many times. Uh, so now I'm very, very cognizant of it. Um, and G avoid words like always and never, right? Always late. Uh, you're never on time or it's never correct. And, you know, you know, anybody with that, um, with knowing, you know, that they've done it right once, or they've been on time once, uh, you know, you've already lost them, right? Because words, because words uh, do matter. So I really wanted to make sure that those, those 12 actions um, are, are really, really important um, to uh, walk through as you're trying to get to this six levels of uh, growth. And you have to remember that the, the higher up the um, development of growth of your team, there's gonna have less uh, people in. And that's why I said, as the leader, you need to make sure that you are choosing wisely who you spend your time with, and you are um, really, you know, utilizing it as a benefit to the organization, right? The more you, you work to grow, uh, the more reward you're going to get by uh, spending time um, really helping the organization be successful, rather than a lot of times organizations use positional leadership to, you know, bring those uh, people um, up uh, the ladder, which um, some of them don't need to be in the room, right? They, they just haven't earned uh, you know, to be in the room. They have a job to do. And if, and if their role doesn't necessarily align to whatever that big uh, goal is, then they don't, they don't necessarily need uh, to be there. So um, I really liked going back through that chapter. And so, you know, if there's anybody who does want to, you know, chime in um, and, and, you know, share anything, uh, I've, you know, given you the opportunity to, to unmute un un yourself if, if you want before we head on to the, to the next two chapters. Right. So let's roll to chapter seven and eight. Let me check all the 
comments here. Sorry, that I'm wrong. But yeah, and so just just you know, make sure you 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 work through that three-page professional development um, uh, you know plan piece that uh, that John John has there. I think it's you know those uh, questions are there for a reason, and they're a really great resource uh, for you to have. Okay, chapter seven here, uh, talking about a team, a team. And so forming a dream team of leaders, right? What a great, you know, chapter. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't we all want that, a, a, a team of leaders? And I just really like this uh, visual here. And so, you know, one thing you could do, you could come back with this and you could ask your team, hey, what do we, what, what do we think the great components of a team are? And so one, one way that I'd like to start a lot of uh, workshops are, why do teams fail, right? We can easily list a lot of reasons why teams fail, you know, lack of communication, lack of relationship, lack of trust, not clear goals, you know? And so here it is, right? Here's your idea visual uh, uh, that, you know, uh, John shares. You wanna create a, a dream team, here we go. It's a team that shares a common objective, right? Common goals, a team that works uh, together through collaboration, a team that's dedicated to achieving the goal through commitment, and a team that openly shares information, communication. And if one of these pieces of the pie is broken, um, it's not gonna work, right? It's not gonna function. There's a, there's a, there's a slowdown effect. And so um, on page 133 here, um, I underline, they may have a list of duties, right? Members of your team, they may have a list of duties, but they don't know how those duties go together to make, make a score. He's uh, talking about a basketball team here. Your team's no different. And I find with many organizations that I have the privilege of working inside, one of the things you know, you know, uh, that I find is that members of the team, right, A, don't know that they're members of the team or they don't understand why they're members of the team. And they, and they don't necessarily have clarity how their role is going to support uh, the team. This is always an interesting uh, dynamic. And so, um, you know, sometimes uh, people get so hung up on the name of a team. If I say, hey, well, who's on your leadership team? You know, it's like, or who's on your admin team? Or you know, it's just, it's just really tough. You, you know, you have different teams for uh, different reasons. You know, you may have a curriculum team, you may have a finance team, you may have a school improvement team, uh, you know, I mean, whatever. You may have a team, team Mount Everest, right? If you're part of the, the 17 Laws of Teamwork Challenge, you know that the, that as the, as the, as the goal gets harder, so, you know, as the challenge gets harder, so does the, so, you know, so does the makeup of the team needs to be different, right? So you just may have all these, you know, different types of teams to help you through uh, challenges. But, you know, people need to know what the team is for, you know, what's the goal of the team, what's the purpose of this team, what's the goals of this team, and, 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 and how does my role in this team help us get to that end, to that end result, right? So common goals, collaboration, and uh, communication and commitment. So the two that I think are the most tangible here, right, are common goals and commitment, right? So what is the goal and that we're all gonna to commit to? This is what we're looking to achieve. Now, those don't necessarily need to be taught by a leader, but it needs to be part of the conversation and we often need to hear what are we trying to achieve and what have we all agreed to do, okay? Now, the collaboration and the communication are what make these happen. But I do find that we don't spend enough time teaching adults how to collaborate with other adults. And we don't spend a lot of time teaching adults how to effectively communicate 
with other adults. And that's why I love our DISCA personality profile. It's one of the, one of the you know, sections of the DISCA profile talks about communication do's and communication don'ts, right? These are the best ways that you can communicate with me and I'll bring a team together and we'll you know, sit down at a conference table and uh, you know, everybody shares. These are the two or three ways that I communicate, that I like to be communicated to that it works best for me. And then here's the ways that don't do it, right? These are the ways I don't respond well to. And I, and I have the team share examples of what that looks like. So then everybody in the team knows and can hear, oh, when you communicate with Tom, right, bring solutions, not just problems, right? Focus on facts and details, right? Not um, subjective information. I don't, I don't respond well to that, right? I'm an optimist, I'm a possibilist, I want to know, I know there's an answer, what are some of your ideas? And the same thing with collaboration. I mean, you know, I, I have never been on a strong collaborating team, so I'm not necessarily the one to teach you how to do it, right? Um, but so, so what I'll, I'll say, well, what are the, you know, what are the, um, the, the, the strengths of a strong collaborating team? And what are the, uh, barriers, right? And we talk through those. Okay, well, what do these barriers look like? You know, examples, non-examples of good uh, collaboration. Whatever it is, you can take your team through these exercises. Don't be afraid to do that. I'm telling you, you're going to get great benefit by walking your team through these types of questions. Another question, you know, that I asked during workshop are, um, what are what are two words that would describe communication for you as a child? And then they'll, you know, share, you know, two words, right? And be like, um, there was none, right? Or loud yelling or whatever it is. And I said, great. How, did that, how does that impact how you communicate now? And it's, it's awareness, right? We, you have to build awareness with your team and your team has to be willing to get vulnerable and share. Or you're never going to necessarily build that, um, that really bonding, right? work through any uh, challenge. And so those are just some, some thoughts around this, this team in information here and, and what is a team. And, and um, so, you know, John shares here, um, uh, you know, teams, not only I communicate, there's a team fit, um, but, but I also wrote here, um, or no, I just, it has a good bench, right? So this is this, this is this theory or this principle, I won't say uh, theory, it's a principle, this uh, principle of John saying, hey, look, you as the leader are working with your top 20%, and then you're gonna teach that 20% to start developing the next 20% below them, right? So you have to teach them how to do it because an effective team has a good bench. Like if you think about any great sports team in history, they have like, it's a next man up attitude. Well, your team in your school has to have the same piece. Right now, during this you know, pandemic, during these really difficult times, like everybody needs to understand it's next man up. And that next man might be a volunteer. I don't know, right? Because we're so short on humans to uh, be able to do the job effectively. So not only as a leader do you need to be you know, um, eliminating non-important, non-urgent tasks from your team, but you also need to be identifying who's, who's the next man up. Um, to uh, be able to do some of these exercises. So, so I liked uh, chapter seven, had a lot of good information, but I think maybe the most important is just that build a team. And I, and I encourage you, I encourage you to take your team 
through some of those exercises and feel free to use you know the questions you know that i have if you've gone through the disc of personality profile you have access to yours you can get one for everybody in your team and you can do that um, and have that you know sit down conversation um, in the disc profile that on our page you know we also have a strengths finder and we have conversations about what everybody's good at what they're not good at so then they can be okay with not, you know, being good at some things and just say, hey, detail's not my strength. Like who here? Oh, it's you and you. Perfect. Can you guys handle like the like the minor details of this? Like you guys dot every I and cross every T. I'll I'll just kind of put the big information out there and you all make it sound right. I mean, whatever it is, you gotta you gotta put the ego aside as a team and you gotta work towards the common goal. So I'll pause there and see if there's any questions as I as I start to move the the slides to the next section here. Um, but I think we touched them all. So these 10, 10 qualities of a dream team is what this chapter is about. So the study guide gives a real good, you know, real good piece. You could print just these three pages here of your study guide, you know, what a team is. And here's the 10 qualities. And you could rate, you know, you could say, hey, all right, everybody put a score next to team members care for one another. Uh, you know, five being the highest and a one being we don't care at all right keep your scores to yourself right and you could you know you could go through it and have those conversations and see where where your gaps are right where your gaps are i'll pause there see if there's any thoughts or questions and i also love this um, on the back end of this uh chapter is that um there's a there's multiple team building activities that you can use here um, these are a lot of ones that we use in our uh, training, but there's one for team bonding using office trivia. Um, you could do community service, ropes courses. I've done some ropes courses before. That's, that's a lot of fun. Um, but there's a lot of great activities here, social activities. So again, if you don't have the study guide, um, look uh, for the link. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but you're basically going to our website and uh, going to the book study link. And it'll send you, send you the information that uh, so I think they do a really good job creating these, um, creating these study guides for us. All right, so chapter eight. So let's roll into team coach needed 10 qualities of a dream coach, 10 qualities of a dream coach. And this is really, if you go through the book, this is what, you know, this is kind of where the book started, choosing your players well. Constantly communicates, takes times to huddle knows what the players prefer, right? So let's just look at these, these. Number one, choosing the players well. So this is two things. This is one, knowing what the role requires and what goals that role needs to have. And then you, you hire the person or you promote the person that can achieve those goals or has those uh, skill sets or has that personality style, whatever you might be looking for, all right? I mean, that's the first sign of, of an effective coach is knowing the types of of team players that they want. Now, so sometimes you inherit people. Um, I've hired a lot of principals over the last couple of years. And the first thing that I tell them is that um, you're not married to anybody here. Remember that, you know? You might need to make changes to create your own team. You have that opportunity, right? So it's your job to, to create a team. Now you need to be committed to those individuals that are there, you can't just, you could, but you don't recommend you just fire everybody, but, you know, understanding and knowing who they are, right? So that's that number four, knowing, knows what players prefer. So what are their strengths? 
what do they value, you know, like getting time to know them. Because some people you may have to release from their weaknesses, or you may have to put them in a different position to be more successful. I really love the law of the niche that John uh, teaches in the 17 laws of teamwork. And it's like, so you have to put the people in their place in a positive way, right? Don't just yell at people and put them in their place uh, that way. Like I'm quicker here. All right, so choose players well, uh, constantly communicates, takes the time to huddle. And this is an important, important piece. Anytime you have a fire or an emergency, if something happens in your organization that didn't go well, you need to take you know, the time um, to, to you know, huddle up after 10 minutes, what went wrong, when did it go wrong, how did we miss it, and start assigning people tasks to start to figure it out. Because you either, if something went wrong in your organization, it means you have a, either a system broken or a non-existent system, right? And it's the team's job, your job as the leader, right, as the, as the head of the systems, the uh, standard operating procedures to make sure, not that you have to go fix it, but to make sure that someone on the team is working on it, right? And they're gonna come back and bring back information. So take that time to huddle. Um, excel in problem solving, right? You gotta, you gotta be looking not for the symptoms of the problem, okay? Symptoms of the problem are, you know, turnover um, or, you know, poor academics. I mean, those are symptoms of a larger problem that, you know, could be a bad hiring, right? It could be, um, uh, you know, an, a not aligned academic program. It could be a lack of fidelity. It could be a lack of training in the teachers. Whatever it is, like it's your job to solve the problem, not just put a Band-Aid over the symptom of the problem. Uh, provides support, commands respect, um, does not treat everyone the same, continues to win, and understands each player's level. So let's take a little bit of time here uh, on, on a couple of these that we marked. And if there's one in particular that you want to make sure we address, feel free to, you know, feel free to stop me. And let's you know, make sure we do it. Um, I, I talked a little bit about, you know, takes time to huddle, and I just underlined, I wanted to make sure this, when players don't take time to huddle, the results can be disastrous or even comical, right? Because then you're just, it's just the same failure over and over again if you're not taking, you know, the time to go back and, and really, really figure it out, what that, you know, what that may be. Um, knowing what your people value is a critical, critical part, um, a critical, critical part here. And so this, this little uh, indicator here, this little um, infograph, having the right players that determine 60 to 80% of the success of any organization. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Anytime you've had struggles in your organization, you have probably realized, I don't have enough leaders, or I don't have the people in the right positions. I mean, it just makes sense. It just makes sense, right? So that means you need to coach your team differently until you can get those people, which I didn't realize. I was a high school baseball coach, and we had two unbelievably successful seasons in a row. And when I had my third cohort of uh, uh, players, I didn't change my coaching style. I didn't change anything, and we weren't very good. And I blamed the players. And I still remember showing a dad like the, the uh, you know, style was not a very good Either I, was, I should not have shown a dad anything, but I did. And I say, like, look, look at all these averages, blah, blah, blah. You know, the system hasn't changed. I haven't changed. The players just aren't good enough. Well, the real issue was is that I wasn't a good enough coach or leader to know that my players needed something different from me. They were not going to uh, pull to me. 
I needed to go bend to them, right? So Dream Coach excels in problem solving the players, the preparation, and the plan. Um, and you'll see, like, the greatest coaches, athletic coaches of all time, like you hear, like, they make adjustments based upon their team's talent. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll just stink every year, right? Until those, until Tom Brady shows up again, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen. So a green, a dream team coach chooses players well, constantly communicates, takes time to huddle, knows what his or her players prefer, and excels in problem solving. I mean, you know, right there again, you can self-assess yourself on those five. You could walk through them with your team and say, hey. How well are we doing on on these five, right? I and mean, that's you know kind of my you know goal here is that you take this book and these resources and you start to really identify a current reality with your team. So then you can create a plan, right? And the plan is to help you uh, close the gap from where you are and where you want to be, where you are, where you want to be. Um, Let's take a look at this other infograph here. So let's see in the room. Um, this, is, this is part six. A, the dream team coach's dream team coach provides the support needed for success. And when I was looking at this, um, it made me think of uh, Liz Wiseman's book, uh, Multipliers, which I know I've talked about a couple of times. And, and I would love to take the time to study that uh, book again. But in that book, she talks about the difference between uh, multipliers of leadership and diminishers of uh, leaders and it it's very very similar here um, so a I would I would consider the diminisher uh, on the left here so they hoard decisions right they make decisions in a silo um, they they you know or, or they only have like an elite group of individuals that they may um, you know uh, you know bounce a couple ideas off. so very top-down top-down decision-making um, they view truth and wisdom as their domain since they are the leaders, right? So, so in their mind, um, uh, they don't share a lot of information, right? They surprise their, work, their uh, workers with um, you know, ethics from above. They guard their own interests, and they take for themselves. And, and uh, one of my colleagues in the John Maxwell team, uh, had this great uh, post about Dan Cathy today, who was the CEO of uh, Chick-fil-A for the, for the longest time. Um, well, he was the you know, founder, sorry, of Chick-fil-A. And about how, like, you know, where Dan uh, Cathy's parking space was at the very, very back of the parking lot. Right? He didn't park up front. He didn't have a, you know, founder or CEO uh, parking space. And it talks about that one of the reasons Dan did that is that he wanted to walk by all of the cars to remind him of his responsibilities, right? He's responsible for all those people that work at Chipotle, not just at the corporate office, but all the, you know, franchises across the country. And he would, you know, uh, pick up trash and, and, you know, clean up if there was, you know, stuff laying around. Just, just, just servant leader attitude versus, you know, like the difference would be maybe a leader has, has a parking spot right, right in the front, um, and, and, and it goes inside and tells, you know, someone to go out there and uh, pick up the trash. And I think that of this, like, you know, dictator, right? This, you know, dictator leaders, not good enough to get dirty. Um, you know, they don't, they, they're not willing to, to do the work, right? Maybe they've been a teacher, maybe they have risen through the ranks, but they did it through a, a productive mindset. And they were promoted, you know, based upon kind of the last man standing, right? Or the only people willing to take the job versus someone who learned to develop relationships and build great teams 
and get great results through people, um, right? Not to, not to people. So on the right-hand side, this uh, facilitators, the enrollers, right, versus the controllers, they push uh, decisions down the line. So it's a lot of you know, bottom-up information to uh, make a decision, and they involve their team in uh, decision-making and you know, conversations and give space to make those uh, decisions, right? So you're not just dropping information, say, we need answers now. Say, hey, uh, this is a lot of information, you're process it, we're going to meet again in two days or one day or whatever, but we need to make a decision by, you know, Friday or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, uh, they share lots of information, right? It's your job to share to share the current reality and to know what's that limit of what you share, right? To make sure that you keep hope and organization moving forward. Um, let you give uh, autonomy with responsibility, such an important piece. Right? Don't, don't delegate work or have other people uh, complete tasks without them you know, being able to make any decisions. You've got to give autonomy with uh, responsibility. Um, uh, developing people, right? Constantly spending your time growing people and giving to the organization, right? This is, this is about really uh, focusing on what's best for the organization first and what's best for me last uh, is a big part of this. So a good, a good conversation piece, another one, right? You know, you, you, could, you could bring this back to your team and talk about you know you as a leader and say hey what's it what's it like to be across the table from me what's that like to be led from me am I you know and you gotta ask the people that that are gonna give you effective feedback it's gonna hurt right you're gonna find some truth right you're gonna kind of affirm things that you know but won't say out loud about yourself you're gonna you're gonna get hurt a little bit right because you're gonna find out some things that you know you weren't aware of that you need to work on. Um, but, you know, most importantly, you're going to build a lot of credibility um, with your team, right? Because you're looking to grow just as though you give them feedback as a teacher. Uh, they're also giving you feedback as a leader. So um, just another way to use this uh, study guide uh, that you've got here. And, um, you know, this number eight is an interesting one. A dream team coach does not treat everyone the same. I never really thought about this, um, you know, when you have, you know, policies and it's to keep, you know, consistency and, and I just, um, coaches are hired to win, right? So you're a leader and you're hired to, to win, not to make everybody happy or to give everybody equal time, money or resources. I mean, it's your job to develop talent, to get the best results out of the talent you have and what's best for, for the organization. Now there needs to be, um, you know, some non-negotiables in terms of you know how everybody is uh but you don't necessarily need to treat and compensate everybody the same and and you don't need to you know accept poor or mediocre performance as being rewarded as the same as outstanding piece and this is hard in education right because everybody does work hard but we certainly have educators who work harder and there's certain ones who get much you know better results but in our um at least in our you know district you know you know, you're only paid, you know, based upon how much time you've spent in your organization. A lot of the leaders that are part of this study are charter school leaders, so there is some autonomy there, and, and you have some flexibility on how you pay you know, people. Um, and, you know, creating that, you know, system, you know, could be very lucrative to, to your organization uh, to make sure you are, you know, attracting the right uh, talent. And so it's not just about pay, but it's about maybe flexibility in their work, uh, opportunities, you know, that they get. Um, 
rewarding them with opportunities to, to grow professionally. You know, maybe you pay for their, if they're looking to get a degree or some sort of credential. Um, so there's, you know, certainly, uh, you know, a dream coach takes that into uh, consideration and really, really wants to make sure that there's, you know, as we strive for excellence, that we're also rewarding excellence and we're not using a, um, a subjective system uh, or even like an objective system that we can't really prove works um, to, to uh, pay our teachers. That's what we have. We have a, through the academic growth, you know, model the state pays out, you know, stipends to certain teachers, but there's multiple, you know, there's multiple members of the team that contribute to a child's, you know, success and growth. So you have to figure that out, right? How do I, you know, how do I, um, how do I make that happen? All right, continues to win. Um, there's a bunch of pieces here. I, I, I had a couple outlined, uh, one in particular, right? Another way to help players continue to win is to help them avoid burnout, right? So one of the pieces here that we have to uh, remember is that, and Todd, uh, Todd Whitaker is where I learned uh, this from, is that you have to tell your top producers um, they can't volunteer for everything they love to do. Right? You need those top level leaders to be involved in the, in the, um, in the important, right, non-urgent work, that quadrant two work, that development, that, you know, strategy, that organizational health improvement. And a lot of them, like, they just tend to volunteer and do everything, right? And you, you hand all things because you trust them and you know that they will get it done. But when you're doing that, you may create, you know, burnout and they're not, you know, getting good results or not, you know, uh, getting their, their heart rewarded for the work that they want uh, to do. Um, so, you know, you know, it's important uh, to, to take that time uh, to make sure that you're paying attention here. So there's some, there's some indicators of uh, burnout um, and you want to make sure that you're, that you're uh, growing your team and you need to know uh, uh, Patrick Lencioni's uh, six questions uh, to clarity. Question number four is how will we succeed, right? It's why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? And question four is how will we succeed? You need to know what your organization, what strategy creates success. And you need to make sure that you're training up, right? You're equipping and uh, developing up that specific skill, hiring for that skill because you know what's going to help you continue to win and grow. So you, you can just make minor tweaks to the overall plan. Uh, but just, just making sure that you're taking the time to know and, and, and um, giving opportunities for your team to, to be able to teach and train those, those aspects of uh, success. And then the last one, number 10, maybe, maybe the most important here is um, a dream team coach understands the level of its players, right? Through uh, delegation, right? Um, your team needs direction, coaching, support, and delegation. And you know, delegation is a, is your most powerful tool. Um, so in here is is this uh, misconceptions of delegation uh, uh, a quiz. And I could tell you, I don't know how you did it on the first time. Um, let some people in here. The first time I took it, uh, I didn't do so well. <laughs> So I'm on page 163 of your book, uh, but there's 10 questions to um, a delegation, uh, the, the, the misconceptions about delegation. 
And the, and the first one I got wrong was number two. The person you uh, delegate to should have as much information about the task as possible. And I put F, you know, you know I circled false the uh, first time for this. And it was interesting. I can think back to why I put false as well, because the person needs to, you know, kind of learn their way. But then I realized, oh no, like you want to accelerate their growth. You need to show them all the mistakes that you made from the very, very first step as you're delegating and empowering people. Like, no, you need to, they, they need to be able to be successful faster than you were. So you do need to share all that information. That their uh, learning curve is more about how I'm going to make it better. Not to, you know, uh, figure out all the, all the failing forward moments, right? You want them failing forward from where you last were successful. But you have to teach them how to point. So number, so number two was one that I got wrong uh, the first time. And then my other one was uh, number six. Always make the delegated task seems like a challenge, even if it's structured. I was kind of thinking, like, how do you make it like, oh, this is really important work, even though a lot of the things are just like, oh, I just, I just need someone else to take this off my plate. Um, so I bombed those two. And, and uh, John writes in the book, uh, deceptive characterization of delegated tasks insults uh, subordinates and erodes trust. So ouch to Tom Miller. Um, those are the two that I got wrong. Uh, number two and number six uh, were the two I got wrong. So I don't know if anybody wants to, to share, if they're willing to share, whether you're live or archive, you can put it in the comments about if you took the delegation quiz, what were the two that you got wrong? But again, this is just a great exercise. You know, another one, um, there's a copy of this in your drive that we made for you. You can put your whole team through it, right? And go through the answers and have, you know, conversations because, you know, delegation is, it's the most powerful tool, but it's probably the, the, the least used tool by most organizational leaders because, you know, they feel like maybe they don't trust or they don't have confidence in their team or from the other side, well, the team already has so much on their plate. I don't want to put more on. Right? And you have to get over those pieces. So here's avoid these pitfalls that prevent a team leader from uh, delegating. One is insecurity. In get over yourself. <laughs> right? You've got to get, if you want to be a more effective leader, you've got to get over yourself. Stop it, right? Stop worrying about everything. Stop worrying that's going to make you look bad. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter, right? You will look bad at times. Whether you did or someone else did it, doesn't matter, right? Uh, two, lack of confidence in others. Lack of confidence in others. Lack of ability to train others. So this is where you struggle with actually taking people through the test. I get that. I live that a lot. Um, so I've really tried to work harder and uh, differently about how I can train my team. So sometimes I record myself. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I create a task analysis. Maybe I write it out. Or, you know, or I go through John's five steps that we learned last week, right? And I say, hey, come along with me. You're going to be here. Or lately, I've been inviting, you know, my teammate Lauren into coaching conversations, into our inner circle conversations, because at times I'm going to need her to do it, right? And I would love for her to do it. I want her to, you know, grow and, you know, do those things. And I want, you know, her to share because she has a lot of talent. I mean, there's just, you got to find new ways to be able to train others that's, if it's not your wheelhouse. Uh, for uh, personal enjoyment of the task, this is where probably I struggle the most. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I just like being a technician in a lot of things. But again, I'm not going to get to where I need to get to as an organizational leader. My organization is not going to be successful. I'm going to lose and sacrifice time doing the wrong things. And I'm going to, you know, miss time with my family or, you know, doing something I love. Um, 
habits, right? We just, you know, you know, before I start a task, I, should I do this? Am I the person, am I the best person to be doing this? Or can I give it to someone else? Um, this one, excuse number six, the inability to find someone else uh, to do it is baloney. You can find you know, people to do anything. There's this great website called Fiverr, F-I-V-R-R. And for $5, you can pretty much hire anybody to do anything that you would need to, to make a flyer, to update your webpage, to you know, upload a video into your Facebook, or to maybe create like a spreadsheet. I mean, there are people out there that will do pretty much anything. Um, so I can guarantee you, you can find someone uh, to do it for you. Uh, reluctance at past, uh, you know, based on past failures. And again, you got to get over yourself. Uh, lack of time and preparation, right? Your lack of time and preparation is one of the reasons why, you know, um, you're in you're, you're in this you know situation, right? So if if you know John does the math in this book here, right? He says, you know, if something takes you five hours to train somebody one month or one day, and then an additional hour, like three or four more times over the next you know, couple of weeks, that's eight or nine hours. And you're like, yeah, see, that's a long time. That's a whole day. But if it takes you normally an hour per week to do that task, by the end of the year, you're gaining back 44 hours of your life. That's a whole week's worth of work just by taking one person through the exercises, right? And, and just being intentional with training that person. So yes, at this very short term moment, you're right. It is easier for you to do it, but long term it's not. And so, if you think about what could you get done in 44 hours uh, for your personal or your professional life, if you don't want that time back, I mean, it's the only way we're all equal. And wasting time is a slow form of suicide. So, uh, for me, I want that time back. I want to learn, learn to uh, empower and uh, delegate. Uh, and the last one is an I do it best mindset. And again, Nobody cares about your, your amazing PowerPoint or your amazing spreadsheet and how great and accurate and perfect it is. Uh, but what they do care is about how you treat me <laughs> and how you make me feel and how you are successful for my child or how you helped me be a better teacher. That's what they're really going to care about. So spend your time doing the right things with the right people. So take that assessment if you haven't. And then the other assessment uh, that I really like here is this... Um, Oh, and here's the uh, five steps to uh, delegation. It's on page uh, 50. Uh, great uh, strategy here. And you can roll through it um, on your time. I think we've talked through all these, all these pieces here. Um, but this, how well are you coaching your team? So as I mentioned earlier, so this is in your uh, workbook. It's on page 51. But also if you're in the uh, Google Drive, um, there's... Uh, an actual separate assessment, you know, for you that has the same uh, question. So we, that made it easy. Um, but I, I've read this book three times. The first time was in July of 2017. Now, let me show you the scores here, everybody. I'm going to be really authentic and transparent here. The first time I took this assessment, I scored a 51. Now let's, let's all look where, oh, a 51's not even on the chart. It's that bad. Because a below 60 says, and I quote, this is for everybody listening everywhere, right? You have a lot of work before you, but don't despair. Use the principles in this chapter to begin team building and improving your coaching skills today. That was four years ago. Four years ago, right? 
I scored a 51. Then I read this book again in August of 2019, two years later, and I scored a 69, all right? Your players are beginning to look like a team, keep learning and building. So look at that, look at that growth. And I took it again today and I scored a 91. You're a great coach with a dream team, you're ready for the championship, right? Um, so whether I'm in between is 80 to 89, 90 to, I mean, it just shows if you take the time and you start to implement these pieces, it's not going to happen overnight because it's a lot of significant changes that you have to make as, as a person, right? As a person first and a leader second to help you get uh, from here, from here to there. Whew. So that's enough uh, authenticity for me here with my 51 score from a couple of years ago. I hope that gives you some, uh, some faith. I'm sure maybe the first time you took the assessment, you scored higher than I did. So good for you. That's great and fantastic. And if you didn't score that high, that's okay, right? There is room for growth and you can always, you know, take this assessment, reread the book. But the only way that I went from a 51 to a 91 over four years is honestly because I've worked to get 1% better, which this is kind of funny, right? 1% better um, in, in all of these uh, skills. And I say, if you can get 1% better per week, even if you take a two week vacation, you're gonna be 50% better than you were one year from now, right? And if you think about it, uh, every time I got 50% better, right? So that, that's what really took me from an F to an A minus. <laughs> doing that work over over four years learning how uh, my strengths are my strengths and then to surround myself with individuals who who um, who who uh, uh, strengthen my areas for growth right who fill those gaps and then really talented uh, people who are like-minded um, but who think differently and uh, perceive uh, differently and have uh, different skills and then trusting to start handing things over to them and realizing that yes, they're you know they're going to mess up, and it it happens often, right? And it's just a matter of redirecting and correcting, and making sure that I'm I'm communicating at a better level. Um, when you go back to those um, to the first chapter we uh, talked about uh, this this uh, visual right here, the great uh, components of of a team: common goals, commitment collaboration communication i mean this is where it needs to happen for you as as an organization um such a critical piece so um so i'll pause there any thoughts or questions or any aha moments or or uh exciting things that are happening to you since you started reading this book anybody want to share All right, well, hearing none. So next week, next Monday, we will finish this book. We'll go through the last two chapters. Um, and what I would encourage you to do is to make sure that you are uh, not just reading the book, right? Reading the book is important, but really reflecting on the exercises in the book and in the study guide. That's what's gonna help you grow. That's what's going to close your gap, uh, right? And you know, increase your scores. Uh, on you know some of those if that's what you strive uh, to do but it's pretty cool when I saw that uh, today 
uh, you know, to go back and take it for a third time and see, you know, the, the growth over time. And that's what, that's the law of the process. Um, and that's such an exciting piece uh, to do. So um, keep, keep growing. It works if you work it. Uh, be sure that you, you know, go back and listen to any, any uh, lessons you haven't heard yet. You know, so this is uh, session four. And you can go on the playlist on the podcast, on the Principal's Office podcast, and you can download the playlist and go back and um, re-listen to everyone. Bring your team, get them a copy of the book or print them a copy of the study guide. And start working through these exercises, everybody, because the only way that you're going to move from success to significance is to be able to surround yourself with individuals uh, who, can, who are uh, committed um, to help you achieve those goals. So... Bye-bye, everyone. Have a good night. And uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast if you're not a member. And, and um, give us some feedback. I would love, love uh, feedback on whether or not these uh, lessons are helping you and what you might want to study next. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. Before you go, I just wanted to remind you about an upcoming event that we have. It's our Live to Lead annual leadership simulcast. This Live to Lead event is going to bring the best thought leaders into your conference room, into your living room, wherever you want to watch this upcoming session. You're going to hear from five world-class communicators, leaders, thought leaders, thinking partners, uh, strategists, who, who are impacting and influencing tens of thousands of people around the globe every day. And we're going to give you a chance to learn from them directly. So go to our website, at lbleaders at lbleaders.com that's lbleaders.com and at the very top you're going to see an invitation for you and your team to buy your ticket to live to lead you're going to have an extraordinary uh, time bring your team you're going to feel uh, inspired refreshed and renewed and early bird uh, ticket prices are closing soon so go get your leader pass right now and take your team to the next level on October 8th.